Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined, as always, by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. It's the Sunday nighter. We're talking Alabama Mercer football tonight. The Crimson Tide takes care of their home opener against the Mercer Bears. Looking forward to chatting with you about it tonight. You can find us uh, at any app you want, wherever you might find your podcasting needs online, whatever platform you prefer, you can find us there. Check us out on Twitter. It's talking underscore tide. We always post our podcast links to that Twitter feed as soon as they are up. We've also got this brand spanking new YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe to that as well. We're we're mass communicating, Travis. Absolutely. As, uh, Absolutely. Uh, as Alabama opens the 2021 season and the Talking Tide podcast opens season six, episode seven. Uh, your final score, Alabama 48, Mercer 14. By the way, thanks to Peterbrook Chocolatier and North River Dental Associates, our sponsors. More on them later in the show. But a runaway win for Alabama, as most expected. Travis, 48 to 14. The final score took a half a quarter, a quarter or so to get it going. But Chris Braswell, of all people, uh, kind of inserts the juice, I guess, into the game with a block punt early that gets Alabama on the scoreboard. And then from there, it was it was the route that, that most expected. Yeah, I think if I told you that Jace McClellan was going to score the first touchdown of the game, it may not have been a huge surprise. I mean, you wouldn't have anticipated him being the first back on the field, but as a part of that punt return team, he scoops up the block punt by Chris Braswell and your first non-offensive touchdown of the 2021 season chase for the Alabama Crimson side. And you're right. It took that to get this more so the offense going. The defense was fine out the shoots pretty much, you know, anticipating this hybrid offense from Mercer and the different sort of responsibilities and assignments that have to be maintained and dealing with an offense like Mercer's. That wasn't much of a problem really throughout the first half and really what we anticipated with this defense and dealing with the rushing attack of Mercer throughout the game wasn't a problem. Gave up some explosives though in the second half. I know we'll get into that in just a little bit, but yeah, offensively took a little bit. I thought Bryce Young, once he got going, was pretty good. I think he finished his performance by going nine for his last 10, and one, the one incompletion was a drop. So, you know, drops were a little bit of an issue, Chase. Too many penalties for Nick Saban's liking. It was a bit of a slog offensively. Obviously, Alabama wasn't going to reinvent the wheel for the sake of an FCS opponent. You have to keep that in mind. Um, but not the sort of follow-up performance, I think, to Miami that a lot of people anticipated. Not every starter on the field either for the Crimson Tide, Travis. A couple notes there. DeMarco Hellams once again sits out this one. Also, Alabama's starting corners, Josh Job, Jalen Armour-Davis, not starting this game. And uh, no sign of Kendall Randolph at that right tackle spot either. Uh, Chris Owens once again manning that uh, spot actually got a quick glimpse of Damian George at right tackle for a few plays in the first half, but he was in and out so quick. It made me wonder if it was just an equipment issue or something yeah. with Chris Owens. That's what it was. Owens lost his helmet there, I think, in the latter stages of the first quarter. And so, uh, you did see uh, Damian George, the big man, come on there and 
uh, provide some reps. DeMarco Ellums did play in the game, so he was back this week. Alabama and its base defense really throughout the game. But you're right, Josh Job, Jalen Armour, Davis not participating. Nick Saban said afterward, neither had really been able to do much during the week, and he wasn't just going to throw them out there, especially against an offense like the one that Mercer employs. So you were missing some guys with an emphasis more so on the defensive side of the ball. And really what you hope coming out of this game is that you're not missing a really big one next week against Florida with the injury to Will Anderson. Yeah, Will Anderson uh, goes out with uh, uh, look like some kind of issue with his knee. A cut block from a running back uh, knocked him out of the game. Nick Saban said he was questionable for Florida after the game. Didn't get any more specific than that. But for Nick Saban to call him questionable for the next week is a pretty solid indication, I think, that whatever it is, it's not considered too serious. Yeah, you know, and Nick's been through this with some cut block situations in the not-too-distant past. You saw it with Deshaun Hand four years ago against Ole Miss. He took a nasty one from Dawson Knox, then of Ole Miss, and, you know, that ended up costing Deshaun Hand a couple of three games. And this isn't to say this will be the situation this time around with Will Anderson because every situation is different. Uh, but let's just put it this way. Nick Saban's noontime media conference, news conference on Monday will be uh, all ears and eyes will be on it for an update, first and foremost, on Will Anderson. Big game for Alabama, for sure. Their first true road game of the season coming up against the Florida Gators in Gainesville. We'll be breaking that game down extensively in our midweek podcast. So be sure to uh, tune in to that. Uh, but you mentioned a couple of issues for Alabama that Nick Saban will probably use in, in practice this week. Travis's points of emphasis. Three things stuck out to me that, that I'm quite sure he'll be harping on. One, you already mentioned penalties. Alabama penalized nine times for 95 yards in this game, way more than uh, the number that would suit Nick Saban for sure. Uh, also, Jamison Williams dropping a deep ball on the second drive of the game, pretty much right in the midst for him. Then he draws a 15-yard penalty, which, <laughs> which you know, uh, uh, Saban wouldn't appreciate uh, either uh, coming on that drive. And then finally, Mercer hits a 60-yard touchdown pass late in the game. Devron Harper uh, lined up on Marcus Banks in this play, and, and it was clearly a zone defense because Banks just kind of let him go and, and stayed there on uh, on one end of the field. He runs right by Jordan Battle. Presumably, Battle was the guy that should have picked uh, picked Harper up. Didn't happen. He was wide open. Easy pitch and catch for Mercer there. Yeah, two touchdown passes uh, in the game for Mercer quarterback Fred Payton, and good for him, but – no doubt, both of them in the second half coming on bus, mental assignments that were not carried out. Alabama was mixing and matching sort of throughout the game. Uh, you did have a couple of new starters, but I thought for the most part, Banks and McKinstry played well. Both had their first interceptions of their UA careers. Both held up well in terms of perimeter defense against this quick game and some of that speed stuff that you anticipated seeing from the Mercer offense out there on the edges. So good for those guys. You had some veterans in the back end uh, that it appeared anyway, let you down a couple of times with a couple of busts. And gosh, I want to say 10 pass attempts for Mercer in the second half. 
and that's all they needed to net 156 passing yards after the break. You know, Nick Saban talked about it. We talked about it on the podcast last week that he obviously wasn't happy with the sort of mental state, uh, the focus of his team. And you know this, Chase, as well as anybody. Now he's got some tape to support what he was saying all last week. He does. He does. Uh, definitely some things that, that they'll be looking to clean up and, and, and practice. I think it was also interesting as well, and I guess against Mercer, you wouldn't expect too much different, but it's it was running back by committee against Miami. It was running back by committee once again against the Mercer Bears. Uh, Brian Robinson, the lead guy, obviously, he carried 10 times for 70 yards against Mercer. Uh, but we saw a lot, a good bit of Trey Sanders, a good bit of Jace McClellan. Rodell Williams gets in there. At some point during the season, Travis, we can expect Nick Saban to bring some more definition to the running back rotation. Um, uh, uh, and I, by that, I mean, I guess, a more clear number two. Uh, but what are your thoughts on how that position may shake out going forward? Yeah, you know, I, I thought it started to maybe go that direction, even against Mercer. It seemed like instead of four running backs like we saw against Miami, you know, get legitimate reps in the first two, two and a half quarters of that game, it was really more like three on Saturday. You had, obviously, Brian Robinson still at the top of that list, 10 carries, 70 yards, so a nice performance for Brian. He did have a drop on a third down pass that, got Alabama's offense off the field, but running the football did some good things. Then you saw Jace McClellan again, sort of in that number two spot, but then it was Trey Sanders third with Roy Dell Williams, more along the lines of being in there with Jalen Milrow, the number three quarterback there in the fourth quarter. I think we both know at Florida this Saturday, we'll be very surprised if they have four backs in and out of the game in the first quarter and a half, two quarters. I would think in the first half, against an opponent like Florida, two, three at the max. Um, I could see three, though, for where they're at right now, especially if Sanders is the third guy still when they make that road trip. But I, I thought I saw a little bit of a sign that way. You know, Trey, I thought, looked good once again. He did have a fumble, good for him, and that he went and recovered it. Um, but that's the second straight week they've had a back, you know, kind of put the football on the ground. Roydell Williams did it against Miami, he got it back. So ball security, again, going to be a big point of emphasis in the coming days before the trip to Hogtown. Occasionally against these teams that, that you know, these these lower teams, lower division teams, Mercer, what have you, uh, where you expect, uh, where you expect uh, the score to be what it is, you can still pick out something here and there that catches your eye that's going to apply against anybody, right? I mean, you can see a burst. You can see this. You can see that sometimes, no matter who the opponent is, um, that can make a difference. We got a, our certainly our most extensive look at Jalen Milrow at quarterback in the second half, Travis. He came in, and uh, the guy has got a burst as a runner. And he's big. Um, matter of fact, on the broadcast, they were saying Nick Saban had told the the broadcasters he might darn well be the fastest player on the team. Um, exciting, exciting athlete back there. Probably needs a lot more polish, I guess, as a passer. Um, but, boy, you talk about somebody, if he was needed in a pinch to come in and give a defense some problems, 
Jalen Milrow just just tucking it. Looks like he could be a a, a pretty a pretty fierce battle for somebody. Yeah, he can. Now, he is. You're right. He's a big dude. He's a long strider, but he's also extremely fast. Um, he's also a guy in the fourth quarter, as we both know, Saban likes to try to shrink that quarter as quickly as he can, especially in a game like Saturday. So you get him in there and you just run zone read for a quarter and, you know, you're going to get that time off the clock pretty quickly. He's still evolving as a passer. You know, that's kind of been the word on him really throughout spring practice back in March and April. I think that continues to be the case. I'm sure that's the biggest challenge or goal for Bill O'Brien right now is to continue to bring him around. You go back and watch his high school tape, though, even from his junior to his senior seasons in high school, he showed some solid improvement in that area. But right now, yeah, you know, if it came down to it and Alabama needed to sort of just go four-minute offense, especially with that defense on the other side, I think they'd probably feel okay about that, as okay as they could, assuming Bryce Young isn't on the field for a reason you'd rather not consider. Um, and even in some goal line packages, not that Nick Saban's ever really been one to sort of prescribe to that approach, um, but it's a possibility. And, and I'm sure if I'm Florida staff right now, I'm Todd Grantham, after Saturday especially, I at least have to consider the possibility that if Florida, excuse me, if Alabama is in some short yardage, maybe some goal-to-goals, on Saturday, I, I need to at least be prepared for the possibility of seeing this guy. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. A, a phenomenal athlete for sure, uh, playing backup quarterback right now for the Crimson Tide, along with uh, Paul Tyson. Talking Tide podcast at, po- uh, excuse me, at the Pigskin Podcast Network. Travis, just a little <laughs> bit of a hiccup there. Seven uh, for- second delay, seven yeah. second delay. Years gone by. Thanks for joining us here. Having a good time talking Alabama football. Want to thank a couple of sponsors, starting with North River Dental Associates and former Alabama football player, Dr. Jack Smalley and his outstanding staff of dental hygienists. I got that chip on my front tooth, Travis. I'm going to be popping in there on Tuesday. I know they're going to take good care of me. By the time we reconvene on Talking Tide midweek, I'll have a full report for you on how that went. Uh, I have no doubt whatsoever that uh, Jack will take great care of me. Uh, Whatever your dental needs might be, though, you need to check them out. NorthRiverDentist.com. You can go online for an appointment. The phone number is 752-3506. Whatever dental needs you might have, cosmetic dentistry, laser dentistry, pediatric dentistry, teeth whitening. They do it all over there. Dental implants, oral surgery, you name it. Right off of McFarland Boulevard, you dip onto Watermelon Road. It's in Fairfax Park. It's easy to find, and they will definitely get you taken care of. You're in and out of there in less than an hour, typically, on a routine cleaning. And what I'm getting done this week, Travis, is anything but routine, but I'm expecting to be in and out of there pretty quick on that as well. I'll I'll give you a report on the in and out time on on the chip tooth, too. So uh, looking forward to, to seeing Dr. Jack this week. I bet it'll be as efficient as a NASCAR pit stop. You'll be in and out of there. As a Nick Saban practice. There you go. There you go. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier, also in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. That's where you're going to find Peterbrook Chocolatier, recently celebrated 14 years in business in West Central Alabama, right there in Tuscaloosa. 
so many people to thank for that, including the outstanding customer base that has continued to make Peterbrook Chocolates here its chocolate destination of choice. The champions of chocolate, Peterbrook Chocolates here. Look, I'm not trying to scare anybody here, okay, but you are going to have the holiday season here before you know it. And if you're a planner type, you can go ahead and get those holiday gifts, maybe corporate gifts you got to come up with for that company of yours. Well, Peter Rook Chocolatier can take all of that, whether it's folks in your office, whether you need to ship those treats to folks around the country, around the world for that matter. Peter Rook Chocolatier can take great care of you. Give them a call at 205-752-0211. They can get that initiated for you. And of course, you can always just stop right by Peter Rook Chocolatier. And while you're there, treat yourself for a change at Peter Brook Chocolatier. The Talking Tide podcast. Follow us on Twitter. Talking underscore Tide is the handle. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube as well. Glad to have you. We're going to go around the SEC as we always do, Travis. Uh, looking around some scores from the past weekend, and before we dive in, I'll, I'll I'll take a quick pull on my on my sissy blue UCLA blue tumbler here. <laughs> Oh, it looked like O found a team in blue he could beat. Blue yeah. and yellow for a change. You had know? to beat his own kid. Had but... to beat his kid at quarterback. <laughs> Those Cowboys. McNeese State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. LSU gets on the board with a win over McNeese State. Uh, definitely not the most interesting game in the league, though, Travis. I guess we'll start with Arkansas. 40-21 to 21 over the Texas Longhorns. I'm a Sam Pittman fan, Travis. I, yeah. I think I think the guy's a hell of a coach. He's made me a believer. I got to admit it. Yeah. I can't – and you know what? I can't tell you what he's going to do success-wise at Arkansas because it's Arkansas. It's such a difficult place to recruit. It's it's such a tough climb if you're Arkansas trying to get – to trying to even approach the top of the SEC West, much less reach the top of it. Nevertheless – if Brett Bielema gave Arkansas one valuable gift on his way out the door, it's the fact that Sam Pittman was his OL guy, and they figured it out that that uh, he was the right guy to take over that program. Arkansas knocks off Texas 40-21. to They rush for 333 yards on 47 carries, just punted two times the entire game. The defense had 10 TFLs. On the Longhorns, Travis and uh, Steve Sarkeesian's back to the drawing board. Sark's got some work to do still out in Austin. After that solid win over Louisiana in the season opener, reality came in the form of Woo Pig Stewie on Saturday night in Fayetteville. I've been in Fayetteville for one of those. Back in 1998, the Alabama Crimson Tide under Mike Dubose went out there and took one on the kisser. It was reminiscent of that trip. Uh, but all the credit in the world, you're right. Sam Pittman, to me, when he was hired, it kind of felt like an Ed Orgeron hire at LSU. Line of scrimmage guy, rah-rah, you know, really energetic, not lacking juice, but also maybe at the end of the day trying to save a buck a right. little bit after some previous hires and some buyouts were in play. But, man, the guy has worked out quite nicely. And I know just three wins last year, but you're talking about an all SEC schedule a year ago. And then for a lot of Arkansas people, the old heads to do what the hogs did to Texas 
on Saturday night. Sam Pittman can probably stay as long as he wants with those yeah. folks. Yeah. Maybe Texas ought to just go ahead and wait till 2025, <laughs> Travis, before they make that jump to the varsity league. What yeah, welcome, welcome to every week <laughs> in the SEC West. UT? <laughs> Oof. Uh, Florida knocks off the South Florida Bulls 42 to 20. Anthony Richardson, the quarterback for the Gators, Travis, outplays Emory Jones. Emory Jones threw a couple picks at quarterback. Dan Mullen insisting there's no quarterback controversy down in Gainesville. And, of course, we'll get into this discussion more in our midweek podcast when we preview the Alabama-Florida game. Uh, but I think the fans are scratching their heads about who ought to be playing quarterback for this team. And, and, uh, if he doesn't have a quarterback controversy now, he might damn well have one seven days from now. Yeah. Richardson's been great in two games coming off the bench. I think the concern with him, a little bit of a hamstring issue, it looked like at the end of that long touchdown run on Saturday down in Tampa. So, He'll be an injury update to keep an eye on as we move throughout the week as well. But his ability to get everybody else involved at a high, high level, a guy like Jacob Copeland, for example, at wide receiver, you know, you had Emory Jones in there early. He misses Copeland a couple of times. Anthony Richardson's first snap on Saturday, 75 yards to the house to Jacob Copeland. So, He's also a guy that can run it exceptionally well. Very big guy, physical guy when he needs to be. So that will be, obviously, along with Will Anderson's health going through the week. Where's Anthony Richardson at? And if it is Emory Jones, is he going to have to play more? than even a few Florida fans I know quite personally, good Brett, uh-huh. might like at this point. We both know a couple Gator fans, yes. Travis. Yes. And, uh, they're going to be... Uh... You'll be a little nervous, I think, come Saturday in Gainesville. Uh, Pitt knocks off Tennessee 41-34. to The Johnny Majors Bowl, as we tabbed it in our last podcast, three turnovers to none kind of made the difference in this one. Uh, I thought Tennessee moved the ball pretty darn well, but you can't cough up. You, you can't lose the turnover battle three to nothing and, 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 and beat anybody of significance. And that's before you get into all the penalties. I mean yeah. – For Tennessee to even have the shot or shots that it had in the fourth quarter on Saturday, that says a lot about everything else it did. But ultimately, when you lose a game like that, typically you can point at a couple of areas, mistakes, turnovers, penalties. They essentially came back to haunt the balls. And also, pretty good gap in quarterback play between the teams. Pitt has an NFL prospect, maybe in early rounds, early rounds NFL prospect at quarterback. I'm sure you know a lot more about that. But uh, Joe Milton uh, got the start. He gets injured. Hendon Hooker, the Virginia Tech transfer, comes on. Does some nice things, but also makes some mistakes as well. I was waiting on Harrison Bailey at, at any point to come on as the third quarterback. But no, Tennessee, some reasons to be optimistic with Josh Heupel, but ultimately – in week two, just too much to overcome. Self-inflicted. And finally, your guy, Travis, your guy, Chris Rodriguez, who you uh, talked him. up a little bit Love. a week or so ago. Monster game against Missouri. The running back for the Kentucky Wildcats. He goes 27 for 206 mm-hmm. on the ground with three scores. Knocks off Eli Drinkwitz and the Tigers. Mark Stoops off to a solid start in SEC play. 35-28 the final there. 
Yeah, I was a sort of under the radar, big SEC Eastern Division game. And I do love Christian Rodriguez, very much on record for that. He's sort of the human four-minute offense. And so when Kentucky gets into the fourth quarter against a lot of teams on that schedule, maybe the exception of Georgia, um, they're going to be able to just turn and and get it to Rodriguez. And, you know, he's going to take care of the rest. Cabassier Smoke, we talked about him. Not just a great name, but a nice compliment to Rodriguez in terms Lightning of their and running thunder. style. They really, really are. Um, but I'll give Missouri credit, too, because there was a couple of times in that game Saturday night where you felt like, well, this one's fixing to get pretty well out of hand, or at least Kentucky's going to be well in command of things. But Missouri kept it to a touchdown game throughout and had some opportunities even late in that game. That is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join us midweek when we break down the forthcoming Alabama-Florida game. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next week on Talking Tide.